This is exactly right. It's me, Roz. How are ya? Good? Everything great? I'm I'm doing just fine. I was checking the five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, and oh my god, for some reason, there's a ton of them, a bunch of brand new ones, so thank you guys so much. It's so nice to see that, and, and all the nice things that you guys say. I really, really appreciate you all so, so much. You've gotten me through this past year, that is for damn sure. But I saw there's a ghost story that is hot off the presses, just posted, that I wanted to read, because there's something mentioned in here. Uh, This comes from Roxy AM, and uh, they say a bunch of nice things. They've heard me on Chatty Broads, one of my favorite podcasts. Now for the ghost story, okay. I'll share my most freaky experience, they write. I've had a run-in with a self-made Ouija board as a teen. Yes, not the best idea in retrospect. Okay, now that's the part that really caught my attention at first because we talk about that today. I am here for part two with Ouija queen Karen Adolman. And Karen Adolman uh, answers a question about homemade Ouija boards because a couple weeks ago I posted in the Facebook group Ghosted by Roz Dresfeles. If anyone has any Ouija related questions for Karen and we did get one of those so Karen will be answering all those questions uh, a little bit later on today's episode so look out for that. But anyway back to Roxy AM's beautiful five-star review ghost story. Um, so the, the story that stands out the most involves one of my children's Fisher-Price toys. In our previous rental home in the Pacific Northwest, we had suspicious activity that seemed paranormal. My kids saw, quote, shadow people. One was panicked after hearing breathing right next to her during quiet reading time alone in her room. And then my mother-in-law came to visit. She talked about being somewhat sensitive and was scared because she said she felt a presence without us mentioning anything and did a trick to see if a nickel would be moved in her guest room while she was out in the living room. It did. Ooh, this ghost wants that money, honey. While I am open to the paranormal... I was basically like, "Uh uh-huh, okay. And then I took our youngest into our bedroom the same day to nap and half fell asleep with her. Then I woke up suddenly and looked straight at a little toy lamp, a laugh and learn, sitting near me, but on top of a bin of clean clothes. It lit up and said, hello, and turned back off. It was terrifying. Hello is one of the things it can say, but its light switch has to be switched up manually. 
The energy I felt was so scary. I wasn't questioning there being a presence after that, and I threw the lamp away. It seemed like it was being used as a means of communication. Heebie-jeebies. Since we've moved houses, we haven't had issues like that anymore. I'd love to hear from other renters of that house if they've had similar experiences. I couldn't find any negative history on the address from my online searching. (sighs) Maybe. Do you think it could be connected to that homemade Ouija board? I don't know. Well, no, that was when you were a teen. I, I, I don't know, but it sounds like maybe something was trying to communicate with you. Maybe it's not related to the house at all. Or the toy. I'm not sure. But thanks for sending me that. And you guys could send me a ghost story in a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Or you could just say something nice or don't say anything at all on uh, a five-star review of my podcast. Um, There's also a couple of news stories that I wanted to talk about on this show today. The first one being uh, this whole UFO situation. We've talked about this a couple of months back, but it was actually this last Friday that the U.S. intelligence community released the unclassified report to Congress of unidentified aerial phenomena, also known as UAPs or UFOs, as most of us, you know, think of them. Uh, There's a lot of articles about it. I would definitely recommend going out and reading it. I have not read the uh, report myself, but I was looking at this article that was on CNN.com. It says, eight takeaways from the government's big UFO report. And it's a nine-page report. It doesn't really confirm or debunk the existence of aliens or anything like that, which... I mean, what did we expect? Did we really think that they were going to be like, okay, so this is what an alien is, and this is the planet that it's from. But there's definitely some interesting stuff in this article. Maybe I'll get to reading the whole report at some point. Maybe that'll be the Ghosted Summer Book Club. I don't know. This part here, it says, Our analysis of the data supports the construct that if and when individual UAP incidents are resolved, they will fall into one of five potential explanatory categories. They could be airborne clutter, natural atmospheric phenomena, USG or U.S. industry developmental programs, foreign adversary systems, and a catch-all quote, other bin, which is like, we want to know about the other bin. Like that's, that's what's in the other bin. That's the whole, that's the whole thing. We want to know about the, the aliens. And so, I mean, it seems like there's some good stuff in here. I think that, I think that's something that's cool, I guess, is that this is the government acknowledging that there are these unidentified aerial phenomenas that take place. And so I think it is validating for people that for years have said, you know, like your, 
your Uncle Carl that for years has been saying, like, I saw in the field that night these things flying around. Like, okay, now I feel great for Uncle Carl because now it's at least been said that that kind of a thing does happen. It's nice. It's nice that that, that has happened, uh, that this acknowledgement has happened and that they've shared that. But I want the juicy details. It says that uh, no standardized reporting mechanism existed until the Navy established one in March of 2019. The Air Force subsequently adopted that mechanism in November of 2020. So it's like, this is a fairly new thing that they've been documenting, I guess. And I mean, it just talks about the things that they've seen. You know, it talks about there was a time where they saw what they call airborne clutter, which was a deflated balloon at one time. Um, there's been some UAPs or UFOs that appear to stay stationary when the wind, when it was windy out or they moved against the wind. So they've seen, you know, they've seen some shit is what they're basically saying. We've seen some shit. We don't know what it is, but we've seen it. And then this article ends by just sharing the part where they say that uh, they remain unidentified due to limited data or challenges to collection processing or analysis and may require additional scientific knowledge to successfully collect on, analyze, and characterize some of them. Well, I would love to hear about that. So it's a start. It's something. That's how I'm looking at it. It's something. You know me. I'm not like a big UFO person on this show, but I find it fascinating. It's paranormal. Do I want answers? Kind of. But like, do I really? I don't know. I just think it's it's part of the fun. Part of the fun is the unidentifiedness, the unknown. I love that. Okay, and then one more very important news story that has been brought to my attention is something that was in the Daily Star, which was posted the 12th of June, and it is about uh, UK drag star Bag of Chips, who was on RuPaul's Drag Race uh, UK, and it says, Bag of Chips haunted by a sex pest ghost that's desperate to see her naked. <laughs> okay. It says, after some creepy incidents, she is convinced that the ghost is trying to get frisky with her. She told the Daily Star, I was in my flat and I thought there was someone who kept going up and down the stairs. I remember it like it was yesterday. It suddenly felt really cold in the room. I was like, what the bloody hell is going on here? I felt cold on my face. I think they were trying to kiss me. She added, it got to the point where I would get changed in the bathroom, but then I realized a spirit could just walk through the walls anyway. She said, 
I just had a feeling that there was someone standing at the end of my bed, and then I saw it. When you see a ghost, it's not like when you see a person. It's kind of a shadow, like steam. I couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman. It was dark. It's really hard to explain. And she says she's been to loads of haunted places. Well, um, I'm very fascinated by this. Yeah, I would love to have Bag of Chips on this show to talk more about it. I I don't think I would want that. I don't think I would want a, a ghost trying to get with me in my apartment. But it, of course, does remind me of when we had Billy Lee on this podcast who told the story of her time having sex with a ghost which, uh, if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen. And uh, here's another reminder that still, to this day, all of our episodes are still up on the main podcast feed. So go back. There's an endless supply. I like to think that the interviews don't really have like a shelf life. I think that they're good stories that could could last, even though some of them are like two years old. Uh, the interviews, but I think the stories are still pretty, pretty relevant. I might have like a thing or two in the intros about like, here's what I did this week, but um, check out those other episodes as well. Okay, I want to talk about Ouija boards. We are all over the paranormal map today, and I absolutely love that. I love when the show just goes from one topic to the next, and... As always on Patreon, patreon.com slash rosdresfelez, you can hear bonus material from this conversation. And in that clip this week on my second tier, we are talking about when animals come through on Ouija boards. And Karen has some stories and some insight about that kind of a thing. Because I'm like, you know, a Ouija board, you have to be able to spell you know, because you go letter by letter. So how does that work when it's like an animal or someone that, like a child or someone that doesn't know how to spell? Like, how do they do that? So she gives us her insight on that. And as always, every week I have a new video on Patreon. And this week it's me giving you some suggestions of some of my favorite horror movies that you could watch this summer. Because I don't know, there's something about the summer that gets me in like the scary movie spirit more than more than normal. So go check that out, please. I always appreciate the support. Anyway, here is my conversation part two with Karen A. Dolman. On with the show. So if a um you know, an inexperienced person is using a Ouija board and they're just like, all right, who's here? Um, <laughs> wh- what are, what do you think that they're likely to run into in terms of all the different types? I would say, what is it, what is it they think and what are their feelings about the board? And if so, they just ask, who's here? And it's, let's say they think, oh my God, I'm so afraid. Should I be doing this? I shouldn't be doing this. I was told to do this by my church. Oh my God, I'm, they're going to probably pull in something negative. If they go, oh my God, I'm so curious about using this. You know, I've heard some really interesting stories. I'm open to it. They're going to probably pull in something more like, 
you know, like maybe a deceased person. I the dead zone's the easiest to reach into. I call it the dead zone. Those like spirits that might still be lingering or those are your loved ones that are nearby. They haven't, they've gone into the light, but they're here to still help you. It just depends. I, I, the question would really be, what are you harboring within? And then that's what you're going to get. I mean, it really is kind of like one of those old game shows where you have to like guess who's behind the curtain or whatever, <laughs> you know, you, you just keep asking questions. Uh, That's good. <laughs> it's like the dating game or whatever. Um, well, <laughs> now if let's say a person, a human on this earth is like Ouija boards are evil. They're awful. Blah, blah, blah. Never touch it. And then they die. And then mm-hmm. you try to contact them. Is it different over there? Are they, can you, can you get a hold of them? Or are they going to be Sometimes. like, nope? It's always their choice. Okay. So for example, I had a friend whose stepmother had died and she was really a, just a horrible person. And she was the first to come. She came through because my, my friend really wanted her stepmom to come through. And it was that dynamic of really, you know, needing a chance to talk to her and tell her it's okay. And she came through and she said, oh my God, I'm so scared. I was such a bad person in life. I, you know, it's hard for me. I don't want to go. I don't, I'm afraid to move on to life because I'm going to be judged. And I was bad. I was horrible. And we just told her, hey, you did the best you could do. Can you forgive yourself kind of thing? So I did a little therapy on her. That's why I call it Ouija therapy therapy, tongue in cheek. Um, and, and it helped her. So you can sometimes, uh, sometimes you can't reach them because they don't want to be reached, you know, mm-hmm. but I also this, it's not like you're hopeless when you move. Let's say you have just a horrible life and you're just a horrible person, mean, and there's opportunities for you to grow and evolve. You're always growing, and evolving, no matter what dimension you're in. And there's always beings that are loving to help you to, to uh, further your d- development. Um, and so there's classes, if you will, if you want to call it that, I've heard them actually use the term classes or lessons or teaching or people that are helping them or other beings that are helping them. So there's always that chance, you know, to, to continue to evolve and to change if you choose to your ways. And if you don't want to, then that's okay too. I mean, it's all free will. That's the bottom line. Nobody's judging you, but yourself when you finally get to that space. Oh my God. This is just reminding me. Okay. Here I go with my theories again. Yeah, do it. I have this theory that I'm sure I didn't come up with, but I came to on my own. um, That, and you're the perfect person to talk to about this, that so many of these ghosts from, you know, 1800s or even, you know, the 60s, 70s, whatever, these people that haunt these houses now and they have this unresolved something that's keeping them here, that I think that they come from times when therapy was more stigmatized and they Mm. didn't maybe necessarily seek therapy or any type of self-help. And that's why even in death, they're still resistant to it or just have never dealt with, you know, that loved one that died and now they're roaming these halls looking for them or whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's a thing? I think that's a wonderful way of looking at it. I think that's definitely an aspect of it. I mean, I've run into some beings um, because uh, they were stuck and they weren't, they weren't even aware that they were deceased. They were just repeating. And then you get that looping behavior and that haunting and the walking the walls and it's the same old thing. It's all, And I've done, gosh, many stories along those lines, many, much work with that. I write about that a lot in my second book, The Spirits of Ouija, Four Decades of Communication. I talk a lot about that stuff because that's a real thing. And you will find these energies will just stay where because they're, they're still attached to something here, whether it's like they could be lost, like looking for a loved one they, they lost and they, they had the grief and they couldn't move on or they just chose not to move on 
whether they just love to be in the space they're in or they're attached by greed or just all kinds of emotions. It could be positive emotions too. Like I said, they don't want to leave their loved one. There's a lot of reasons why they, they linger on, but that's a real thing too. And that's why I call that area the dead zone because it has a lot of um, just lower energy vibrations at times. So mm-hmm. you could pick up on that one that's hateful. I mean, if they're hateful in life, when they die and they don't move on, they're probably going to be hateful there because they're not getting that assistance and they're not wanting to see it like that mother-in-law that I just the step excuse me stepmother I was just telling you about she didn't want to move on she's like I know I was bad if I move on I'm gonna be judged she's all she knew was heaven and hell that's what a religious doctrine taught her right. she didn't realize there was many areas of gray in between and I I spoke to her for a while about it and I said and she said I don't want to hear it I said then you know it's none of my business and I, I'm always available if you want to talk to me but my friend said she did some work with her in her mind and had some dreams of her stepmother that seemed like she was moving forward but you know they get to choose it's all free will and and I I go into a situation where there's somebody that seems like they're stuck I don't go I'm gonna move you and release you to the light I just say is there anything you want to tell me can, can I help you in any way do you need something you're you're able to contact me and they might say no I'm good or they might say yeah you know where am I I mean, I've had that happen many times. It's dark. I don't know where I am. And I'm like, okay, well, give me some information and let's talk about it. And, you know, it becomes this therapy thing. It really does. And so then that way I can work with them. I, I don't, only if they choose to again, it's not, that's not yep, good, me yeah. to judge it. Yeah. That's, that's me projecting my own crap onto them. Like, oh, I got to save them. No, there's nobody to save. Everybody has to save themselves if they choose to. I'm just like a big therapy person. And mm-hmm. I think that if somebody is, you know, a terrible person on earth, well, they probably could have benefited from a little therapy. Then maybe in the future when they die, they won't be a terrible person. Absolutely. But, but you got to rinse the rosters always helping your side. So when they transition over, you, you get, you can do like what they call a life review. And I, my work as a past life therapist for years, when I was practicing psychotherapist, uh, I would use that technique and we'd go back to where their issues started. And I wasn't trying to take them back to past lives. I was taking it back even in this life. Where'd your issue started that you're working on your, why you came to me for as therapy. And sometimes they go back into past lives or even future lives. And that's where they found the issue was and it's contained within their cellular memory, not cellular, cellular memory. And it's, they're holding on to it. And it's like learning to release that. So the the help is there. So then that since I'm the spirit guide on earth, but then we're also working with the higher self in the other dimensions. And they often, they tell me they're met with a life review and other beings. They recognize, they don't know who they are, but they recognize, they seem familiar. And there could be spirit guides. It could be loved ones. It could be people they don't even know, but they're like loving and they're helping them look at their life and, and to move forward. And meaning, like, can you forgive yourself for that? And what would you like to do to change that? And and, and so there is like a therapy happening in the oh other dimension. Oh my goodness, it's like a board of of beings that you talk to. Oh my God, that's cool. I, I call it the Council of Karen. I mean, we all have the our own council. councils. You got your Council of Raws. I mean, we all have our council. They're there and they're around you right now. And they're going to be there when you transition. And that's, that's, I call it transition. You never, they say you never die. Dead is just a word we use, a human right. experience. We, then we never die. And they said, nothing's ever dead. It just transitions to an, another dimension. And so you, you have that council, you have that group. I call it mind's a collective, but when I'm doing like meditations, I call them the council of Karen because they, they, they come to help me and everybody has that. And one day when you're in, when you're in spirit, you may choose to do that for others. You know, we all get to do it. Oh, my God. Do you have enough time for a couple of listener questions? Sure do. Okay. I posted in my Facebook group called Ghosted by Roz Dresfalez. And um, people were so excited for you to come on here because we love talking about Ouija boards and 
I don't know. We've heard and all I kinds of stories. I love Ouija boards. So <laughs> Sounds like it. You got the right person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a question. Uh, Bex writes, is there a difference between a Ouija board and a spirit board? Or is that just a linguistic preference? Okay, I think we kind of answered that, right? Um, we did, but I will say this. All boards are talking boards, but not all boards are Ouija boards. And, right. You know, back to what we said earlier. Clean But a great question. I'm glad people are asking this to educate themselves. Yes. Um, Kathy says, Karen is awesome. Can't wait. Aww. Got a fan Yay. here. Uh, Marcus says, what happens if you throw one away? Because I totally did. Okay, well, people have their own superstitions, Ouija-stitions around the board. It is an inanimate object. People, A lot of people want to burn them and destroy them. And I say donate them to the Talking Board Historical Society. Go to our website, tbhs.org. The address is there. Send them to us. We'll, we'll use them. We'll, we'll rehabilitate them. But <laughs> I'll, have, I'll do therapy on them. <laughs> have you had ones come in that people All are like, the time. but they're All like, the time. this one's haunted, and then yes. you get it, and things happen or don't happen? No, things don't happen. Again, you got to remember, for us as historians, and also I use the board, I mean, it's it basically it's our beliefs. And I know that for me. Now, other people have different beliefs, you see. So it's really going to be reflective of your own personal beliefs. So if you threw it, was that Marcus? I think you said. Yes. OK, Marcus, if you threw it away, um, that's OK, but it's got to be OK to you first. So for you, get clear within yourself that you didn't do anything wrong. You just decided the board wasn't from you. It's not going to come after you. Those are all that's all from Hollywood and movies. Um, and they did a great job. You know, they played upon our fears and, and excitement. So just let it go. Forgive yourself for doing that, because I think boards are fabulous and I would have taken it from you. So I'm kind of mad at you. But, you know, <laughs> I'll forgive you, too. But listen, it's OK. It's totally OK. There's You didn't do anything wrong. It's it's just an inanimate object. Most of them nowadays are compressed particle board. I have a, I'm looking at one right now that's from the 1950s, 60s. It's a William Fold, huge. I love. It's one of my favorites. That one's Masonite. Um, some those some of those boards don't burn. Masonite oh. doesn't typically burn. But you know, it's all good. Uh, which I'm sure people have tried and they're like, it won't burn. It's evil. They, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, that's funny that you say this because when I was having my experience with my board, which I'm a big lover of anything paranormal, like mm. mid-century into the 70s, even 80s a bit. I just love it. And um, the one that I had was one of, it's a really popular one. I guess maybe 70s, the one that has like the photograph of people's hands. And it's Okay, kinda, that would be the, that, excuse me, that'd be Parker, Parker Brothers. It started, that one started in 1968, I think it was, late 60s. So I know which board you have. And that's the one I have that I got in 73, which is circa 72. Oh my God. Yeah. So when I had that, I was like, what do I do with it? And everybody <laughs> was, oh, you got to burn it. No, you have to give it to somebody. You have to, like all these things. And I finally decided just to throw it in my dumpster. And I made a conscious effort. Now, I didn't know anything about anything, especially at that time. But I was just like, I have a feeling that if I just don't acknowledge that I'm throwing this away and don't like put any energy into that, then go. maybe it'll close this whole chapter. And that's just what I did. I think I put it in like a garbage bag with a bunch of other stuff and just dumped it in a dumpster and nothing ever happened again. See, you let it go. That's exactly that was that. See, that's it, you guys. But I'm still gonna say don't throw them away. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I wish I would have known you. Oh, um, how many years ago was this? Oh, this was probably 2000. Well, by the time I threw it away, it was probably 2013. What? I, I know. Just think um, of all the magic you could have with that board if you still had it. I'm sorry. I, what a that could have been like my co-host. I could have had like a spirit on the show with me. Uh, you never know. You every could day. Have. I know. Ugh. Well, but I, I was really freaked out by it. And sure. um, luckily, nothing has happened. Nothing scary. Actually, nothing ever really, truly dark or terrifying happened, I will say. Mm -hmm. Um 
and I don't think I've ever encountered that energy again. Until uh, 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 oh, 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 what God, just happened? Oh, oh. <laughs> she went down the portal with <laughs> a board. It's Oof. back. Just kidding. Um. <laughs> Spin it into your room. <laughs> Okay, wait, here's another question. Um, okay, what about making one yourself out of paper? Ooh, I love that one because I, when I was younger and I w- wouldn't have my board with me, um, I just only had one board for many, many years till about 2008, 9, 10, somewhere in there I started collecting boards. So I'm, I'm more of a recent collector where I just needed one, you only need one board. But I would travel and I wouldn't always bring my board with me. And so I'd be at somebody's house, they're like, yeah, let's do the Ouija board, Karen's here. I'm like, cool. Do you have a pizza box? And they go, yeah. Do you have a paper sack? Yeah. And I would just cut them open or take a pizza box and just draw the letters and numbers on there. Sometimes, sometimes I put yes and no. Um, you could always, the, the planchette could always spell out yes and no. And I didn't always write goodbye because the planchette could spell goodbye or bye. And we would just get a double old fashioned or a Pyrex dish or uh, some kind of plastic lid. And I cut a little opening in it. And we just, that would work every time. Homemade boards work great, you guys. In fact, People say, what board should I get? What board works the best? And my answer is, has always been the board that you like the best is the one that's going to work the best because you gotta, you're got you excited about it. And until you really know what board you want to buy, make your own. I mean, you can make them on, like I said, pizza box, um, you know, paper sack, piece of paper, poster board, um, wood, glass. I have a glass one a friend of mine etched for me. Beautiful Ooh. board. Yeah, I've seen aluminum boards. Um, they used to make them. Um, I have a friend who made her own. I mean, I people people send me boards. A lot of my friends make boards and send them to me, and they're just gorgeous. So any board will work as long as you work. Well, especially if you're an arts and crafty person like myself. You can... Yeah, see? You should make your own. There we go. Okay, that was a good question. That was from Olivia. Um, totally good. Here's one from Kristen. Has Karen seen any Ouija boards in other languages, like Chinese yes. or... Yes, I've seen them in Spanish. They do have them in other languages, especially when people make them themselves. But there was a one that was mass produced with Spanish, C, that kind of stuff on it and audios. (laughs) I see French. Um, Canada created some boards too, French boards. Um, You know, you can make them anyway. Oh, here's a cool board. One of my fellow collectors, Rick Shrek, he created the Braille board. And so when you move around, you do it with your finger, you can go in, you go into each hole and it has a different letter of the alphabet by Braille. Oh, so, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? So you guys, the sky's not even the limit. It's unlimited. It's limitless of the type of boards you can make in all language. I have a friend who has them in a runic language. I've had people who've made it in just all different kinds of different sigils or symbols. And that means a language for them. I have a friend who from New Zealand who's made his, he's in touch with um, extraterrestrials. They gave him a whole different language to use. That board is actually on my website at karenadalman.com. Go under galleries. You'll see his board, the guy from New Zealand. It's all written in a whole different like hieroglyphic language. It's really, you know, up to you and, and whoever wants to make them. You can have any language. Make, make it work to your, to your advantage. If you have a different, you want to speak in a different dialect or something. Um, Okay, Kathy writes, I remember in early grade school, like first, maybe second grade, waiting for my mom to pick me up. And these four girls sat with their legs crossed in front of each other. And they, uh, you, and they used their folded legs to put the Ouija board Mm. on. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were asking questions. And I just stayed watching them. And they were giggling. And the thing flipped over. And they all yelled and stood up and ran, leaving it behind. I didn't go near it. But how common is it 
that the actual board moves like that, does it usually flip over? We usually hear that the planchette does crazy things. Well, you know, that's the great, great question. And if that was me, I would have grabbed that board and took it and ran. <laughs> Take the goods and run. Okay, so I personally have never seen the board move on its own. I've never seen the planchette move on its own. I, like I said, I have a lot of boards and typically they're all hanging up all over my walls or all over my house. There's no mischief and anything like of that nature that's happened to me. People report to me they've seen those, those things. But my firsthand experience has been I have never seen it but I hear stories of those kinds of things happening. Um, so what I say is I'll go back to what we originally said in the very beginning. I said, how do, maybe we're not giving ourselves enough credit to what's happening here. Maybe it was psychokinesis. Mm. Maybe they're there. Cause it, they say there's something about women or children, especially girls that are growing and developing in, in puberty. They tend to do a lot more telekinesis or psychokinesis things like move objects, um, there's the, the as they're developing, it's like they're this emotionality and all this abilities within them is, is, is expanding. And there's a lot of psychic experiments that show they're able to do this stuff. And it usually happens with a, a budding girl that's becoming into pu puberty, going into a menses is like able to do this stuff. So I'm not saying that's what happened there. I'm just saying let's we, let's don't just confine it to that's all that it could be. Maybe we're not giving ourselves credit that we're doing this ourselves and then thus scaring ourselves. But it could be just the board flipped. I don't know. Never happened to me. I'd love to see it. Right. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's the exact same thing with like uh, what people uh, classify as like a poltergeist, I think, is a lot of times. Right. It seems it tends to be centered around, you know, a, a girl going through puberty or around that age um, mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, they're developing, coming into their abilities, and um, they're just so in touch with this emotionality. I think it is what it is. But, you know, a lot of things are changing. I think people are, you know, that are coming in more into this world are are more in touch with that. See, so much has changed since when I was growing up. It's like you can talk about these things where I couldn't, you know, that was cuckoo, you know. Um, and, and, and when I was a practicing therapist too, back in the nineties, it's like, I would have lost my license, you know, talking about, I was heavily doing the board and I had a lot of clinicians who were like PhDs and other master degrees, psychotherapists like myself, they'd come to me secretly and we'd do the Ouija board and get messages. Really? You know, they didn't want anybody to know. Yeah. They didn't want anybody to know they were doing it. You know, you didn't tell people you're seeing psychics back then. So things have changed. And so since there's such an open openness about this kind of stuff, I think people are having more and more experiences, uh, that are more psychic because they're now they're open to them. And we, we look at all the shows on TV. Look at your wonderful show. There's so many podcasts and things like this that talk about these things that it really starts to open people up to say, wow, that's possible. And by the way, I had an experience and you start recalling it and then you're just more comfortable having them. And when, that in itself allows it to happen. With you having done this since the 70s, I mean, when did you see that shift? Mm, I would say, let me see. I would say late 90s, early 2000s. So last, I would 20, 22, 23, 24 years, maybe, maybe, maybe even 25 years, I might push it. There was a thing as the harmonic convergence was happened in, what was that, 1987? And there was a thing when people around the world were starting to feel this energy change. And then, of course, we had that, um, the whole Mayan calendar thing that things were supposed to shift in 2012. I, I, you know, what it really was, I think the harmonic version kind of ushered it in. There was things always happening in our world. And it, things seem to happen around, you know, when we change centuries, they're like, oh, things are going to shift. And But the 1987 was when things really started changing. But still, you weren't out in the public so much if you were, you had a degree or a license and practicing, you know, I would have been called a quack. But it became probably more 
towards the end of the nineties, I think it was settling in the two thousands. And there was a lot of spiritual conferences and I remember starting to attend them in the nineties. Uh, now they have conscious life expo, but it was like different expos that were spiritual and not, they didn't really call them so paranormal. It was more, not even supernatural. It was more just spiritual conferences, but you got into talking about some of these topics. Um, but then you, you started seeing more people talking about extraterrestrials, UFOs, it became more mainstream. And then it, so in the 2000s, around that time, early, mid, 2012, I think things just opened up the whole, my encounter, the world's supposed to end. It was really just that that one level of, of, of uh, the cycle for the minds was changing and shifting. So there was all, all these shifts you see in different cultures. But yeah, last 20, 25 years, I think I've seen more people being able to talk about it. And really in the last t- decade, oh my gosh, at, yeah. what, when all the ghost shows started, right? Yeah, 10, 12 exactly. Years ago. And now people go to school and they're talking about their, I mean, I know people that are getting their dissertations and master's degree doing stuff on haunted stuff. Um, you know, we had pockets of that. Like I really wanted to be a, um, um, oh gosh, I can't even think of the name right now, but I wanted to be somebody who actually did research into the paranormal and haunted stuff. Parapsychologist or something. Thank you. And that word wasn't even out there then. I was like, I guess I can't be that. I'll just do it on the side, my Ouija board, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But now they have schools that are doing that. You can get a degree in that. I want to. <laughs> I know, huh? I know a wonderful para- parapsychologist in the UK, and he's, he's, uh, he does a great job. But um, that, that's expanding. So it's like it's it's so much more open now. And it's because of that, we are able to sense things more because now we're given the permission that it's okay to do this and talk about it, yeah, which it, is wonderful. It seems that the TV shows, I think, really made a big difference. I think like the X-Files in the 90s into the late 90s, and then the reality show started in the 2000s. And then it seems that that's when it became a little bit more uh, acceptable or whatever to to have these conversations publicly. Yeah, reality shows said, hey, you could do this too. These are these are just regular people doing this, and you too, and everybody wanted to be a ghost hunter at, the, at, at that point. And then you see all these conferences now, all these huge paranormal conferences. Like I mentioned, Michigan Paracon in August, I'll be at, and that's a huge paranormal, probably one of the largest ones in the world, and definitely in the United States. And uh, you know, four thousand whatever plus people be going through those doors. It's pretty huge, and you know, it's okay. And uh, all we're doing there is talking about all facets of the paranormal. It's really exciting, you know. And you can do that now. You can do that. It's, it's so liberating, to be honest with you. It feels great. Final question. Okay, here's one more listener question. And I like this one. This is from Roxy, who writes, Is it safe to play alone? I like that question, too, because... Um, you know, as I was growing up, I you always used it with somebody. And I'll tell you why. It's because the back of the box said, you know, sit cross-legged or sit across from a partner, preferably male, female, okay? So I thought I had to do, I hear, I had to do it with another, a man. So it was always my brother. <laughs> Come on, get over here. I need you. I need you to get over here and do this with me. And then I said, well, screw that. I, I, he doesn't want to do it. I'm going to get my girlfriend. So it just, you know, I started going beyond what I read on the back of the box, creating my own rituals and stuff around it. But then I never used it alone. And it wasn't because I had any weird superstition about it. It was just that I just enjoyed using it with the person and it worked so well. And so it was 39 years of using it by myself before I started trying it by myself. I mean, using it with a partner before trying it by myself. It was 39 years it took. So then I can use it by myself. So when I wrote one of my books, I talked about 
didn't really, I don't really recommend it in the beginning, not because of any weird superstition, just because it's got to be so freaking hard. People say it won't move. I've been using it for a week or I just tried it for three hours. It's still not working. I'm going to tell you, if you try it by yourself, it's going to be so dang difficult because now there are other exceptions to the rule always, but it's because it's such a subtle energy and you're going to second guess yourself when it starts to move. But if somebody else has their hands on that plant chat and it starts to move, you might go, oh, they're pushing it. Yeah, exactly. But you're going to follow, <laughs> follow the movement, uh-huh. you see, more readily than you would if you're by yourself. So when you're by, so it's such a subtle movement, you guys, it's, it's, it's very easy to miss. I mean, it's, hard, it's even hard for me and I can do it by myself, but I prefer not to, I prefer, still prefer a partner. And I just enjoy the camaraderie of doing it with somebody. So I, you can use it by yourself. There's no not say it's not like it's not safe or it's fearful or it's bad and i know people say that don't use it by yourself that's one of the the legendary rules of using the board you can you can use it by yourself but i'm gonna tell you what good luck it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty hard to do right it will be well Mm -hmm. and i'm tempted to even to bring up like the whole idiomotor conversation but that's a whole nother thing (laughs) well let's just touch on that real quickly what were you gonna say Roz? i think it's really important we really we really do need to take to take that in consideration so what were you gonna say about that? well i'm just uh, i'm curious your take but i do know a bit about that from Mm -hmm. you know pendulums and um ouija boards of this, I mean, as I understand it, it's, you know, your brain is sort of telling your body's vibrations to move. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You tell me. You're the pro. No, that's it. The <laughs> inner motor it, that you said exactly right. It just basically means that the brain controls your fine muscle movement and it coordinates it and without to your without your knowledge. So it's like an unconscious movement that automatically starts to happen. Now I'm not against that, by the way, people go, Oh, you're getting, no, I'm not against it. Listen, I can't explain exactly how this works. I can only tell you what the guys have told me. I can only tell you my experiences, but I will say this. I'm not opposed to eating motor because one year, one year, and it was four years. I was with a group of friends, 89 through 93 we pretty much exclusively, I mean, there was a few times we talked to other beings, but we did an experiment. It lasted about four years. Well, all we wanted to do is talk to our higher self. Now, a higher self is that part of you that's within your body, but it's also beyond your body. But in fact, you're talking to yourself. So it could call it a higher mind, an oversoul, your, your greater self, or even your inner self. But I call it my higher self. It's a psychological term from union psychology. I call it my higher self. So we spoke to our higher self and people could argue and say that was your inner motor. Take, I'll take it. Gave me such great advice, such good words of wisdom. In fact, all three of us were like brand new working in our career field. We're all kinds of a therapist, teacher kind of thing and working with people. And we just wanted to be the best we could be and eager to get out there and put a mark in the world and do a good job. And it gave us so much wonderful advice. So because of that experiment, experience and experiment we did, I'm not opposed to saying idiot motor could be part of it. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. I don't shoot anybody down for that. Um, I do feel, I will say this. I really do feel like I'm communicating these days with something external to me. And, and I do know I can communicate with something internal to me too. So I can do both. Hmm. Well, Karen, this has been great. (laughs) I so appreciate not only your time, but your openness and what you've taught us today. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. You're a great host and it's great talking with you because you ask all the questions and you make it into a dialogue. And I enjoy sharing with your audience here. You guys, thank you so much for joining us and asking your wonderful questions and being a part of the show. But thank you, Roz. It was absolute joy for me. Great. Well, I I want uh, everyone to, you know, follow everything you got going on. So can you tell them where to get your books and everything that you, everything you do? 
Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. So, yeah, so easy way is go to uh, Karen A. Dahlman, D-A-H-L-M-A-N, KarenADahlman.com, and you'll see everything I've got going on there, events that are coming up, um, past shows I've done. Um, it'll talk about, talk about some of the gigs I'm doing this year since we've opened back up, and I've got a few lectures I do and, and traveling for those. And um, and then my books are all listed there, and I also sell the books on Amazon. If it's easier that way, you can get it on Amazon around the world. Um, and if you buy a book and you come out and meet me somewhere, I'll be happy to sign it. I do sell books at my events as well. Um, join my YouTube channel. You can access all of that at my website, or you just find me at Karen A. Dahlman, anywhere on social media. And then of course, YouTube, YouTube, I have like 200 plus more than that videos all about this really cool Ouija tool and also how to access the unseen dimensions with myself and my guest. And again, this is what a joy this has been, Roz. Fabulous. Thank you for having me. Of um, course. Uh, Where are you based out of? I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. I was in Southern Cal. I moved here recently and now I'm living in Scottsdale, Arizona. Are there UFOs there? Oh, yeah, dude. (laughs) Really? (laughs) But let me tell you this. They're everywhere. And I have night vision goggles, so I, I'm able to go out and see all kinds of weird lights. So, you know, I got to say one more thing real quickly. People say, well, you've got to go to a haunted place or you got to go where the hotbed of activity is. I got to say, no, spirit's non-local. So you could be anywhere and talk and tap into spirits. So anyway, just want to throw Ooh. that out there. We never got to that. <laughs> Thank you so much to Karen A. Dahlman. If you want to hear a little bit more, go to patreon.com slash rosdresfalaz. On my second tier, you can hear her talking about what it's like when animals come through on a Ouija board. And you can watch that video of me on my first tier talking about my favorite horror movies this summer. I thought it was so cool to have Karen on this show. You know, there's like just so much stigma about Ouija boards. And of course, like with all episodes of this show, I like to give, you know, different insights and ideas and opinions. And maybe it'll change yours about Ouija boards. It makes me a little bit less scared. You know, it's it's one person's experience and, and insight, but she's done it for a long time. I can only imagine she has used a Ouija board thousands of times, and she doesn't seem to have much negative to say about it. So I find that kind of inspiring. Will I play with a Ouija board? Uh, I don't know if I'm there yet, but... This conversation makes me not as scared. Thank you guys for tuning in. Please rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you have a ghost story to share, you can put it in a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You could also email it to me at ghostedbyroz at gmail.com. Or you could put it in our Facebook group, Ghosted by Roz Dresfelez. And of course, I want to do listener episodes all the time. So if you have a ghost story that you want to share on the show, you could email me at ghostedbyroz at gmail.com with the subject line, listener episode. I'm also on Cameo at Roz Dresfelez. I'm on Instagram at Roz Hernandez. And make sure you are subscribed because I have recorded some of our upcoming episodes and they are juicy. I love you all, both living and dead. But if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay, bye. Stop it, stop it.
Podcast Network.